Women Taking the Lead, Episode 49. I didn't want any any excuses. I didn't want anything to hold me back from making that Olympic team. I knew I was ready and I knew that the time was now for me to take that next step in my career and go from just being a World Cup athlete to being an Olympic level athlete. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. This episode is sponsored by Luma Coaching. Want some support to get your dreams off the ground? Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Olympian Julia Klukey, who is a member of the U.S. Luge team and competed in the 2010 Olympics in Vancouver. Julia announced this spring she will continue in the sport for her 18th season in 2015. Wow, you've been doing this for a while, <laughs> Julia. <laughs> I have. A good, a good chunk of my life. She is also a spokesperson for the Maine Beer and Wine Distributors Association. Julia, that's just a little teaser for everyone. So tell us more about you personally and your own humble beginnings. Sure. I um, I'm, was born and raised in Augusta, Maine. I was a very active kid growing up. I was kind of the type of kid that would try anything once. Uh, and back in 1997, a friend and I read in the paper that the U.S. Luge team was coming to Portland, Maine to host a tryout. And the very bottom part of that advertisement said that we'd get a free T-shirt if we came out for the day. Um, so like most kids, we liked getting free stuff. And so that was all it took to pique our interest to go try this sport of luge that I didn't even really know anything about. Um, so I went down to Portland for the afternoon and got introduced to the sport of luge. And then a few months passed. And I got a letter in the mail inviting me to go to Lake Placid, New York uh, in, in the wintertime for like a second tryout. And it was there that I really just got hooked to the sport. You know, from the very first run I took, I, I had those excited butterflies in my stomach. And I, I knew that I had found something that I was going to really enjoy doing and that I wanted to try and continue doing. I wasn't sure, you know, what the path would look like at that time. Um, but I just knew that I had found something that I was going to love doing. Oh, that is so great. I always um, envied, you know, and admired people who knew from a young age, like, this is what I want to do. I'm so passionate about this. And that's such a great feeling to find something that you, you describe as being hooked. Yeah. And you love it. Yeah, I feel pretty lucky. You know, I, I know a people in my lives that I've met that are still, you know, navigating their path, trying to figure it out, what it is they're passionate about. And I feel very fortunate that I've spent, you know, almost 18 years doing something that I love, challenging myself through something that I love. It's a, it's a really rewarding feeling. And I feel grateful that I got to experience it so young. Awesome. And I could hear in your chuckle as you were describing the path that you then, you know, went on. There's there's more to that story and I'm sure you'll get to it. But Julia, you've clearly had success in your life. Like going to the Olympics, that's something a lot of people dream of doing. And you've definitely gained confidence, you know, through the participation in the sport amongst other things. But take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you learned. Yeah, so I think the 
kind of turning point in my career came when I was like around 15 years old. I had been involved in the sport for a few years and being a 15 year old girl can be uncomfortable at times in and itself. Um, And with the sport of luge, you know, it's really a weight, it's a gravity based sport. So, you know, gaining weight is important. Getting muscles is important. And I struggled for about a year with that aspect of the sport of, you know, trying to gain weight, bulking up my muscles because I didn't want to stick out in that way. You know, when I went back to high school and I went back to my, my normal life, if you will. And so there was a a period of transition there, um, where because I was so self-conscious of the way I was looking, I was holding myself back in my sport, you know, and when I turned 17 in my junior year in high school and I, there was a spot open up on the senior world cup team, you know, it, it kind of, snapped me out of it that if you want to go after something, you have to go after it fully. And that means doing whatever it takes, you know, as far as building up my body, bulking up to make sure that every opportunity that comes your way, you're not wasting. Cause that was also kind of the turning point where I know that if I didn't perform well, you know, I could be cut from the team at any moment that, you know, it was no longer this large group of athletes at the junior level, at the senior level, you know, there's four spots for the women's team. Um, So I think that was a big moment for me, you know, of when I realized that I was going to do whatever it took to get to my goals and dreams of making the World Cup team, of making the Olympic team. Oh, my gosh. What a story, Julia. And thank you for for sharing that, because, I mean, for the women listening to this, we remember what it was like to be between the ages of 15 and 17. Right. Yes. (laughs) And like the pressure put on you to look a certain way. Um, and this was counter to the, what you were going after. Yeah. Like how competitive you wanted to be, how successful you wanted to be in your sports. So it was like the culture and your dreams were clashing. And though, you know, for some people it might not be their weight or the way they look, but you know, it is not uncommon where what we need to do to be successful, like to achieve our dream means that we have to do something that's counterculture. And that is so difficult. And many people struggle with that. So that that's huge. And, you know, when you were sharing your story, like this, this opportunity, you know, to to be on the team, you know, competing for the World Cup was what snapped you out of it. It was like, oh, like if there was it while you were telling the story, I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank God. Because, you know, it would have been a tragedy if you had just been like, no, I don't want to do this because, you know, I have to be, you know, heavier than what other people want me to be. Yeah. It's an important message, you know, especially for young girls, there is that added pressure. And, you know, for me, it was just transitioning my thoughts to what I look like, to what my body can do for me, you know, particularly in my sport, you know, what those, you know, I have one of the fastest starts um, in the sport of luge for the female athletes. And that's a direct result of lifting weights and getting strong. And so now, you know, my focus is that way versus, you know, what I look like doing it. And I think that's an important message I try to share with any, you know, particularly young girls I meet because I've been there and it's still a challenge a lot of girls face. And it's the reason a lot of girls drop out of organized activities because they get uncomfortable with the way they look doing it. Oh, so sad. All right, Julia, now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake-up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success. So I um, would say my one of my largest wake-up calls came prior to the 2010 Olympics. 
I was coming off a fifth place world championship finish. So I was in a really good place heading into the Olympic season. Um, I had had a really strong summer training. Um, I had been in Lake Placid for the entire summer because I was, you know, really committed to making sure I was doing everything necessary to get onto that 2010 Olympic team. And it was about two weeks prior to the start of our season, we were doing a dry land training um, on the track with wheeled sleds. And um, long story short, there was some loose wheels on the sled that I hadn't checked. It really ultimately was my fault, um, which caused me to crash and crash. I can assure you that crashing in the summertime on the track is a lot worse than crashing in the wintertime because it's, it's concrete. And I knew right away that something was wrong with my knee. And so two weeks out of the season, I found out that I had torn my meniscus and MCL. Um, and while the knee is not super important in the sport of luge, we do steer with our legs. And so there was concern that I wouldn't be able to control the sled if I didn't have surgery. And so I had to have surgery. And that was really after going through that and being very upset and angry for a few days, it was kind of a wake up call that, you know, nothing can be taken for granted and that, yes, this had happened, but it didn't mean that I couldn't work through it and continue with my plan of doing everything necessary to, to get onto that Olympic team. And, you know, two weeks after surgery, I won our start championship. And a week after that, I was sliding on the ice, crutching out to the handles, crutching off my sled at the finish time, just doing whatever it took to, to make it onto that Olympic team. And, and it's probably one of the biggest moments of my career because it, it would have been really easy to, I think I could have used that as an excuse easily, you know, but I didn't want any, any excuses. I didn't want anything to hold me back from making that Olympic team. I knew I was ready and I knew that the time was now for me to take that next step in my career and go from just being a world cup athlete to being an Olympic level athlete. Mm, yeah. A couple things from your story, like how important the details are <laughs> sometimes, yeah. right? The, the loose wheel, like what an impact that had. And, you know, I love that you started off the story, Julia, by just saying, ultimately, I'm responsible for this because I think there's a power in just taking responsibility of like, what could I have done differently mm -hmm. that might have gotten a different outcome. Now, could other people have checked the wheels? Yeah, sure. But, you know, there's no power in that. You know, then then it's just being a victim of like other people, you know, and there's no control in that. And the other thing I love is, you know, and something um, my one, you know, one of my last guests just shared was you don't know what you're capable of until these big challenges come along. Right. Exactly. It's when it's when you're facing this big challenge, right? You have to have surgery and you're just starting your season. And this is the year you could be on the Olympic team. Right. Mm -hmm. And what's possible there and how it could have held you back. But it was like one foot in front of the other, doing whatever you could, doing your best. You know, with an injury in the same season, you had one of the fastest start times and you made the Olympic team. That's amazing. And no one can take that away from you. Yeah, exactly. You know, you go back to that self-responsibility, you know, when I speak with kids, I just, you know, try to emphasize how important it is that you own your own potential and, um, you know, you get to, ultimately, it's only you that gets to decide how far you go in something, whether it's academics or sports or music, whatever it is you're passionate about.
huge. And Julie, what I want everyone to get is there's no one way to lead. We're all different. We're all going to lead differently and that's okay. So how would you describe your leadership style? I mean, I think um, my leadership style is kind of a lead by example, you know, just the way I live my life, the way I commit myself to my sport, to my family. Um, you know, I'm always, I think time management's really important. And when you have things that are important to you, you have to block off time for them. And then also you have to follow up by making sure you're present when you're doing those activities. So, you know, when I'm training for luge, I'm a hundred percent present, you know, doing whatever it needs to be done that day to make sure that I'm prepared for the opportunities that are coming down the road. But at the same time, when I'm studying for school or when I'm spending time with my family, that's very important to me. I'm very present in those moments and I don't um, allow them to cross over. And I think that um, has allowed me to find my success as a leader, both on and off my sled by, you know, just committing myself fully to whatever it is I've decided to commit myself to. Does that make sense? Yeah. You know, not being no. wishy-washy with my time and not um, you know, not holding back. If I decide I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it fully. Um, so that's one of the most important characteristics for me is, you know, that reliability and to know that I'm giving, you know, all of myself to wherever I am in my life and, and, and in the activities, whether it's training or family or school. Yes. And you, and when you approach things that way, you are giving it yeah. your all. I talk about that with my clients, like either be a yes or a no. Yeah. Right. Whatever you decide, don't sit on the fence with things, because if you say yes to something that you really didn't want to do, what happens is it's an obligation. And then you're there or you're doing what you're doing, wishing you were somewhere else. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's painful for you and it's painful to the people around you. And you're not giving whatever you're doing 100 percent. And it could be things that even like we generally enjoy. Right. Like spending time with our family. Yeah. Right. Or or participating in a sport. But if you're going to be a yes, be 100 percent. Yes. Exactly. And give it your all. And there have been um, a lot of successful leaders out there in business and other areas who have said, like, being able to fully engage with what they're doing in the moment actually makes them more productive, more successful, better able to connect with people. So that's a great leadership style, Julia. Thank you. <laughs> and what is one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? Right now, I would say my favorite project that I'm involved in is my summer camp for girls. Um, it's it's already ended for this year, but I'm always looking to expand the program areas and create new opportunities for the young girls in my community. The whole focus of camp is, you know, building self-confidence, learning how to set goals, learning how to understand body image and how to take care of our bodies. And I just feel like that's where I feel most connected to my community. That's where I feel like I have the most to offer is to young girls just through my, both my life as an athlete. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an elect studied electrical engineering, which is another field where, you know, it's predominantly male. So I just feel like I have a lot to offer in those areas of, you know, not allowing any gender stereotypes to stand in your way from going after the things that are important to you. So that's my, that's my passion project, I call it. And um, I look forward, I'm already looking forward to the fifth year next summer and already starting to plan or, or take notes of ideas of things I want to do with the girls. 
Awesome. That's a camp I think I would want my nieces to go to. How do people find out more about your camp? Yep. So it's just uh, my website's klukiluge.com and um, you can do backslash camp. It'll take you right to the camp page. There's lots of information there um, about the camp itself. There's a lot of photos you see from past years to get an idea of what what the camp is about, what are the, the different activities that we do. Um, and then as well, there's, you know, my contact information is there for people that wanted more information. Very cool. All right, Julia, now I'm going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that helps to make you a better leader? I think one practice that helps make me a better leader is my ability to be a really good listener um, and to take in information to make sure that I don't miss anything, you know, whether it's feedback from a coach or a trainer or whether I'm, you know, reading, I just have a really good way of taking in information and make sure that I'm not missing any pieces. And I think that helps make me a better leader because I'm always completely prepared for whatever, you know, the task is that I'm approaching. Yeah. And what I'm also hearing is being open. Yeah. Right? Yep. Exactly. You know, there's different ways to do things. And I think, you know, having that flexibility of, you know, not being closed down to just one idea of doing things is really important is, you know, especially where we are in the world today, things are changing so rapidly that, you know, you have to have an open mind to adjust with the time and the culture and the way things are changing. Yes. And it has a huge impact on your ability to listen and take in information because if you're convinced or you lean towards, well, this is the way it should be done. Even if somebody's offering you information, you won't hear everything that they're saying or you won't retain it, mm -hmm. you know, so that that's really huge. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Um, so I've read Lean In by Sheryl Sandberg. Um, I thought that was a I really enjoyed it because I'm in electrical engineering, so there's a lot of technical side of that book. You know, she referenced a lot of technical companies. But then also, I just enjoy reading, like, the newspaper, like, everyday stories. I think there's so many stories out there that are waiting to be told. And so I love just even reading my local newspaper and hearing, you know, there's so many kids in the community, young people that are going out there and making a difference. And those are actually the stories that really inspire me. It's like if these young people can have these visions, um, you know, I absolutely have to use the platform that I have to continue to give back to my community and to continue to, you know, show young people how they can be leaders. Mm, and you're so right. You know, I, I tend to steer away from the media and the news just because there's so much negativity in it. But you're absolutely right. There are community sections in those papers that really highlight what some people are doing to just change the world. And it, you're right. It's incredibly inspiring. And Julia, knowing what you know now, if given a chance to go back and do anything differently, what would you change? That's a tough question. Um, I try not to look backwards too much because then I think it's easy to get lost on where you want to go moving forward. Um, I certainly, there's not much. I feel fairly strong that, you know, especially in my athletic career, I've always been an athlete that has, you know, if you tell me to jump 18 inches, I'm going to figure out a way to jump just 18 inches. That's just kind of my mindset in my training. So I know that even though you know, I've had some success on my sled. I've had some bad years on my sled that I've always trained to prepare myself for the opportunities the best 
that I knew at the time. And with anything that evolves over time, you know, 10 years ago, I thought I was training correctly. And as I learned my body better and learned the sport better, you know, I realized, well, you know, maybe that wasn't the best training for me. And, and that goes again, back to having that open mind, being able to take, you know, constructive criticism on yourself and make those adjustments so that, you know, you move forward, continue to move forward every day um, with those new lessons learned. Mm, so I'm hearing again, being open as well. And what I also heard in what you said, and correct me if I'm wrong, is also like when you love and accept your body, you actually get to know it more quickly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I can, I'm very good at knowing, um, you know, what my body's going to feel like that day, how the workouts are going to go, how easy or uneasy it's going to be, you know, in the gym, especially um, now that I'm 30, things are a little, starting to slow down a little bit. Um, but just, you know, knowing how to train smarter and, you know, keep my body healthy and fit for the loose season. Mm. I think that was something I didn't appreciate till I hit my thirties too, is how much what I consumed and how much sleep I got impacted my body's ability to function well the next day. Like I never, like all of us, it just was so much more apparent to me. And before that, I think I was a little oblivious and took my body for granted that I could do what I want and it would still be fine. Yeah, absolutely. I think we, we all do that at times. Um, you know, we get busy and we forget to take care of ourselves. And that's also something, you know, I've had to learn is to carve out time for myself, um, to make sure that I'm, you know, taking care of myself mentally and physically and giving myself that time to just just be with Julia and not be, you know, speaking to a group of kids or training or whatnot. And, you know, finding that connection to myself too is so important to stay grounded. Yeah. And it makes you better for when you do connect with kids or other people that because you've, you've taken your own time, you've had your needs met and you're feeling good, you're actually better with them mm -hmm. as a result of it. So huge. Now share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you. I don't know if I have like a quote that I go to, but, you know, especially the past four years, um, you know, I went through a lot personally, um, you know, personal loss and to get to the other side of that, you know, recognizing how much there is to be grateful for every day has really changed the way I approach things, the way I approach my sport, you know, cause, cause they're every day you know, is, is a miracle in itself. Um, you know, and, and when you start to recognize and when I start to recognize, you know, everything I had to be grateful for, it just, it completely changed my attitude, my approach to life, my approach to my sport. And it's made me, you know, a much well-rounded person, which contributes to my success, you know, on my sled and off it. Mm. And is there any sort of practice or reminder that you have in place to, that helps you to recognize everything that you want to be grateful for so that you're acknowledging it? Um, I think just, it goes back a little bit to making sure I carve out time for myself because usually that's time I'm spent doing other things that I love, whether it's hiking or just, you know, being outside in my garden and doing those activities that, you know, bring you pure joy, then it's, um, you know, you get that sense of gratitude but as far as like a daily practice, um, I, I don't think I have one. Um, just, you know, being mindful and, you know, waking up every day with the, the attitude that I'm going to make this the best day possible, that, you know, everything I have on my agenda, I'm going to do fully and I'm, and I'm going to, you know, embrace those opportunities for what they are. 
And lastly, Julia, what is the best way for those listening to connect with you? I'm pretty accessible. Uh, I have a Facebook page. If they just, it's facebook.com slash Julia Kluke. Uh, my Twitter handle is also Julia Kluke. And then I have my website, klukeluge.com. Uh, the website is certainly has information about uh, my speaking engagements at high schools, my summer camp, kind of my community involvement. And then uh, my Facebook page is more sports um, related, I would say. You know, I like to share updates of where I am, where I'm competing and things of that nature. Awesome. And you can find all the links and resources shared at this in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com. Julia, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Oh, thank you. It was an honor. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas, you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching, or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.